Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Career Quest Podcast. My name is Michael Bonadio, and thank you for tuning in. Today we will be hearing David Karasek's Career Quest. From a Swiss Olympic swimmer to founder of the Tribe of Athletes, hear about his struggles to get where he is today. But let's just get right into it. David. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm a little too excited to hear about your career, what you've done, what you're planning to do, and just kind of everything. But before we start, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, you got it, man. Thanks, Michael, for having me. I'm, I'm excited as well. So um, I was 2012. My highlight of my swimming career was uh, was the Olympics, okay? And but I became, I think it was 27th, right? And I, what I now know when I look back on my swimming career, and that's like the biggest light bulb that I had, and that's why what I do, what I do today, is that I never had, or I only had a big dream as a little child that was conditioned out of me because they said, you know, um, yeah, Olympic gold, you know, you better go to school, you do other things and, and all that. So that dream kind of went away and I never had it again. And I was always thinking along the lines, what is realistic for me? And, and so that is, and what I'm seeing now looking at the, you know, world's best athletes and business people and parents and artists, they all have a big dream. And that's something I think that I can now, that I know that we need to have a big dream. That's something I want to inspire the next generation with. So so in a nutshell, that was like my biggest learning in life so far, I think. Throughout the whole thing, we'll kind of get to know you and all the things you've done. Olympic swimmer, you've started a business, which you're doing today, which we'll get into. And you went to school in America. You were born in Switzerland. A lot of different things. So there's a lot of different areas that I've never talked to anyone about. So I'm excited to go from there. But... I always start off by asking the guest about preparedness. Before embarking on your career quest, did you feel prepared or ready? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Man, I, you know, this is a, it's a good question. And, but the honest answer is hell no. And I, I tell you a funny story that, I, that really resonated with me. And it's from the movie, um, what's it called? Catch me if you can with, you know, with Leonardo DiCaprio and what's the other guy? I think Tom Hanks. Right. And so there's a scene in the movie where the teacher doesn't show up and Leonardo DiCaprio, he, or like it's Frank Abagnale in the movie. He like just decides to get up and he's teaching the class. And in the movie, it's, it's only like for one class, but in the book, it's actually, he's teaching the class and it's based on a true story, right? In the book, he's teaching the class for the whole semester. And at the end of the semester, you know, one guy goes up to him and asks him the question, like the elephant in the room is like, you know, how did you teach the class? You didn't even know the material. And do you know what he said? I can't. No, I, I didn't read the book, so I don't know. You only have to read one chapter ahead. And, you know, like when you're asking about preparedness, it's like, that's what it is in life. It's like you literally read one chapter ahead and you can teach the class. You don't have to know everything because the, the, the point of the story is that if you think you have to know everything and everything has to be perfect and in place, you're never going to start because there's always something that isn't perfect, right? So I think, yeah, that story just really resonated with me. I was like, 
Well, and, and by the way, there's a cool interview of that Frank Abagnale that, you know, he's old now on YouTube. It's like a Google talk or something. And he actually describes how he was doing all that with like 16 and it's hilarious. It's freaking hilarious. I can recommend that. I don't think I have the confidence to stand up in front of people and teach when they're the same age as me. I don't know if I could have done that in high school. Could you? Yeah, that's a good, I, not in high school, not, not, no, no, hell no, I, no, no, because I, no, not, just no, but he's explaining that. He's actually saying if he was thinking like, like an adult and worry about everything, he would never have done what he was doing because he just put on a suit and he was cashing those checks, right, with full of confidence. And he said it worked because he was so, like so free as a kid and he would just go and just do it and you know and that's it worked out for him well until he got caught but it worked out for him in the end i think he ended up working for the fbi so that's right it worked out in a weird way but you never know he was he probably never knew he would work there when he started that whole thing no <laughs> and wouldn't you agree that's often the case that we don't know where life takes us i mean we, we just have absolutely no clue and that's why it's good you know, be pre as prepared as possible, but stay open to possibilities and, and new pathways and journeys and so on, right? Definitely. I would definitely agree. But I want to start into your career a little bit. So as I said, you grew up in Switzerland, which is crazy to me because I've never left America. So it's, it's kind of a weird... You should, man. You should. <laughs> well, once everything starts opening back up, I'll, I'll look to travel a little bit more. But ultimately, you decided to come to America for college, for swimming. You went to the University of Virginia. Why did you choose to come to America? And did you feel it could take your swimming career and just overall education to that next level? Yeah. So what happened was I was like 19, beginning 20, um, when I decided to come over to the States. And what happened was I had a lot of fights with my coach here in, in Zurich in Switzerland. And at the time, I, I thought he was a dick, and I thought, but now I know it was all my fault. You know, I was in, in puberty and all that. But at the time, I thought I had, you know, it was his fault, obviously, right? I was always right. <laughs> and so I just knew that in America that you guys have phenomenal swimmers and like in general, like sports. And I, I heard about college. I was watching American Pie. You know, I knew about the, the blue and the red cups and all that. I knew. So... I, I was like, you know, I started investigating because I had some friends that were a bit older and they, they actually, they were in the States already and they got a lot faster in swimming and they told all these cool stories when they were back. So I got in touch with them and then I started looking at schools that had a good swim team and had a good business school because at the time I wanted to study business. I've already done one year at the University of Zurich and then it came down to Virginia, Berkeley and Ohio State. And, you know, with Virginia, UVA, they, they, took, they offered me a recruiting trip so I could do that. And when I was there, you know, I just fell in love with it. I, I loved everything about it. We had the full weekend with, you know, with the party, with hanging out with the team, meeting the coaches. And I just freaking loved it. And when I got back, um, yeah, I got a 90% scholarship. That's what I was offered. Wow. And I just signed, for, signed and, and, oh, yeah. And that's one of the best decisions I've ever made. God bless America. <laughs> Why do you feel like it was the best decision? Because like, and that's why I would encourage you to travel also is like you, when you get to see a new culture, 
And if you, and especially if you live there for a while, you really like broaden your horizon. At least like it happened for me. I, and what I can tell you for swimming in, in Zurich or not in Zurich, in Switzerland, it's like, for me, it was always an individual, individual sport, right? It was all about me, a medal for me, like everything, the time for me, everything for me. And then I got to the States and things changed. And I'll tell you a story. Is it okay if I tell a story? Yeah, go ahead. All right, yeah. man. So that was like the first three months when I was at the University of Virginia. What happened, you know, you have to understand that you guys swim in the 25-yard pool, which is about 22 meters. I was used to swimming in the Olympic pool, which is in 50 meters. So it's more than twice as long as the yard pool. So what that means is there's a lot more turns in America in, in college. And, and I wasn't used to turning so much. And we had to swim this as the whole like the, the team together. A really hard ass set. That was 30 minutes of pain. And there was a lot of turns because there, we weren't allowed to breathe into the turn and coming out of the turn. And man, I was dying. And after 20 minutes, I was like, fuck this. And I started cheating. I started taking breaths before the turn and after the turn, you know, to kind of survive. And we finished the set. And the coach goes there and he starts yelling. He's like, Karasek came all the way from Switzerland and he thinks he's something better than you. So we're going to repeat the set. He's going to get out and he's going to watch you do the set again and you show him how Americans do it. Oh, no. <laughs> and I, you know, I had to get up and I had to watch them. 70 people do the set again and I was standing on a bulkhead and I had to watch him go through the pain again and you know he was passing me like walking back and forth he's like you pussy you see that's how you do it you pussy and I felt terrible obviously but a huge light bulb went off it's like damn this is not only about me this is about 70 people like you know pulling on the same string having the same goal and wanting to accomplish something and I can't just do whatever the fuck I want yeah. And, and I was like, wow, this is fantastic. People hold you accountable. And I, you know, I apologize, but it never happened again. So the learning was, I mean, the mindset and, and the, the team spirit. Oh, I loved it. I, uh, growing up, I always played sports. Lacrosse was my big sport and coaches would always pick that person that was always fooling around and things like that. And they would make you watch them run sprints. So that is like the equivalent. I know sprints and swimming, aren't exactly the same thing because that 30 minute of hell sounds awful <laughs> but standing there in the middle and just watching people run because of your foolishness it just it brings you down to a level where you're just like i'm never gonna do this again yeah that's right it's crazy that's right and i think and i think if you know the coach he did exactly the right thing because that's what i needed i needed to get got like i needed that light bulb to go off and to realize all right, this is different here. This is how we do stuff. And, and it, it worked wonderfully, right? And actually, you know, I have so much respect for, for our coach, coach Mark Bernardino because he, what he always said from the beginning, even though, you know, sometimes he was tough, man. <laughs> and, um, but he was saying, I'm not only going to make you better swimmers, I'm going to make you men and women. And I really like that because that's exactly what he did. And everybody, even though there was a lot of hard trainings and a lot of, you know, loud words sometimes, but it was always, he had the best in mind. And after four years, you know, you look back and like, thank God that he was there and really grateful for having him. So yeah, it was a great, great time, man. <laughs> I love America.
Uh, that's great to hear. I don't know if American Pie would have been my choice of research, but <laughs> Man, that's what we listened to over. We watched here over in uh, in Europe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if uh, it met the expectations of American Pie, but I'm not sure the UVA lifestyle. I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, well, it was definitely closer than anything that we have here in Europe. <laughs> that's fair. So you go through these four years and you get so much better. Yeah. Not saying that you couldn't have done that in Switzerland because you, you really never know. You could have met someone that took you to the next level, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but 2012 you talked about was your year. You graduate and you represent Switzerland at the London Olympics, which to me is like they're real humans. Like I went through a phase of like, ah, they're like superheroes. You can't. You don't know them. Like, Michael Phelps is a whole different stratosphere. Like, I can't meet him. I can't meet you. Like, I went through that phase just because I wasn't at that level. But I'm realizing that they're humans. <laughs> Talking to you, last week I talked to Troy Reader, who's a middle linebacker for the Rams. And it's just like, wait, they struggle through things too? <laughs> What was what was that Olympic experience like? Yeah, man, that that is a very good realization that you're having, and I'm glad you're having it. And by the way, what I do with my if I have a, an athlete, like a professional athlete that's working with me, and they're like putting somebody or they're looking up to somebody and idolizing somebody, I just tell them to imagine that that person takes a shit in the morning. You know, they're like also cooking with water. So it's a good realization to have. It's really good. So for me, man, I mean, the Olympic experience, it, it was definitely the highlight of my career. And but what I remember, man, I was I almost shit my pants before the before the race because I was very nervous. It was still kind of good nervousness. And I was used to it because I've had high pressure situations before. But what was different in the Olympics was that you had so many call rooms because, you know, you had to be on time because of TV. And so usually you have one call room and then you kind of go out and, and there you had like three or four and the build up, you know, they check if the logo is not big and they check everything and make you nervous. And it was really hot there. And I just try to, you know, calm myself down a little bit, but yeah, I, I was very nervous. And, but then I walked out and I saw my mom and my sister that were there and I had like the Swiss flag, right? And, and that was really beautiful. And that's like the last thing I remember because I kind of blacked out for during the race. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like when those emotions are so high and the pressure is there, the nervousness, it's like these memories that kind of burn themselves into it. And I remember like I was touching the wall. I looked at the clock and it was August 1st, 2012. August 1st is the Swiss National Day. And I swam a Swiss record on the Swiss National Day and so I was, I was really happy because I've learned that only about 5 to 10% of athletes actually uh, perform at their personal best in the Olympics. So, you know, even though I was only 27th, but I, I was happy with the performance. There were some cool pictures of me going like this right after the race. And, you know, there were 10,000 people in the pool, which for a swimmer, I know for other, you know, sports is nothing, but for a swimmer, that's like the dream come true. And I was like, boiling there and the atmosphere was really good so I, I loved everything about it yeah I couldn't even imagine because playing lacrosse in high school and a little bit in college you look in the stands and there's a hundred people and you're like wow it's packed I couldn't even imagine having a thousand let alone ten thousand compared to an NFL stadium it's like what seventy five thousand a hundred I don't even know <laughs> it's just crazy once the once you heard the 
Do they blow a whistle? How do you start? I don't know swimming. How do you start? Yeah, they go, take your mark. Beep. Oh, okay, I wasn't sure if it was like, because in track, it's like a gun. Or there's a whistle. I didn't know. Once that went off, you just kind of went for it. Like, there was no thinking. You just had to go. Yeah. But now, you're done with the Olympics. The high of the Olympic experience is fading, I guess you could say. And you now have this business and finance degree from Virginia in your back pocket. And you decide to go to work in banks. Was this what you always expected, what you wanted? And what was the appeal of that? Yeah, good question. Man. <laughs> and again, um, yeah, I, you know, what happened to me was, so I was, the business school at the University of Virginia is very good. And I think at the time it was like, or maybe now also, it's like the number one in undergrad and or two. And what happened was over summer break, you know, my classmates, they went on to do internships in New York with like Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Bank of America. And I was swimming and I felt terrible. And I was like, oh, I have no experience. And, you know, they are so far ahead and all that. And also after 2012, like, you know, the high of the Olympics in America and having the best time of my life, came back to Switzerland. And I'm not saying like, it's not cool here. It's just like the swimming wasn't good anymore because it was back to this individual thing. People not so motivated. So I, I got tired of swimming and yeah, I then I decided in a Friday afternoon practice, I remember I had the thought for a while because I kept swimming a little bit after the Olympics, mm -hmm. but they thought of quitting or like, you know, calling it quits, put it that way, uh, retiring even better. Yeah. Sounds good, right? <laughs> it, like it kept coming back and, and then I, it was a Friday afternoon training at like four in the afternoon. We jumped in and after 10 minutes, I just, you know, it hit me. I was like, I got out of the pool and I told my coach I'm done swimming and that that was it. And I never looked back and it was a very, very good decision because, and I think there's also the learning and would you agree with that, that if you're not enjoying what you're doing, why, why do it? There's life's too short. I know it sounds cliche, but I hit a moment like that too. When I was in college, I was coming out of high school. I need to play lacrosse. Like this is my whole identity, I guess you could say, but I was also good at school. I was good at conversations, stuff like that. But lacrosse was my life. Growing up, two older brothers, it was sports. Every weekend, you're going Delaware, California, Florida. You're just traveling to play sports. And I get to college, and it's different. And it's not the exact same thing, because in high school, I was pretty good. I got recruited to go to college, so I had a certain level of play, I guess you could say. But I broke my feet so many times from a neurological disease that I had to hit a point where it was, do I want to walk in 10 years or do I want to play division three lacrosse? That was a decision I had to make and it hit me. Why am I playing right now when it could make 10 years down the line, 10 times worse, like step away, be a part of the team as like a student coach, kind of a role, help out, go with the team, travel, things like that get the experience, but <laughs> tone it back a little bit. You don't need to kill yourself now when you could have a great life in 10 years because who knows what could have happened if I kept playing. Yeah. It's crazy we have the same experience, but... <laughs> yeah, but that's why I love, man, that's why I love these kind of talks on a, on a podcast, for example. I think you're, you're mentioning like two things. One is that not to do something that we just don't enjoy. And then the second one is when it comes to health. I mean, this is something like without health, you know, not the rest doesn't really matter if you if you're not healthy. So 
yeah, I think that's two very, very good points. It was probably the toughest decision at the time, just because it's my life. I know other things, but I have to play lacrosse. I'm good at it. It's an escape from the world. Now I don't have it. What do I do? How do I live? <laughs> yeah. What do What do your brothers think? What does my mom think? My dad? What are my coaches thinking? What What you know? Yeah. I, I the struggle is real. That's that's true. It's and I think we're not alone. <laughs> yeah. It's I've never had a conversation with someone about it, but I don't know if you had the same situation with swimming, but I'm sure a lot of people hit that realization where it's I have to go pro. You know, I'll go Division One. I don't want to go division one. Like all of those decisions along the way build your reputation, your legacy. And sometimes you just got to step away. Be like, this isn't for me. I'm able to focus on school, meet more people, <laughs> get a job. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, Michael, I'm with you. It's, it's, it's about what, and, and by the way, this is the question that I always start with, with my, with everybody I work with. It's like, what do you really want? Because I can show you how to get it, but you have to really want it. So, because if you're telling me you want this, but it's based on what your dad is saying or what your wife wants you to do or what your kids want you to do or whatever, it's not going to fly. But if you really want it, you can have anything that you want. It's, I mean, it's true. If you have the dream, if you hang out with that dream and you're willing to make the sacrifice, you can have anything you want, but you have to really want it and not just think you want it but that's difficult today because if you think about 20 years ago social media wasn't big you couldn't post a picture and have a thousand people comment oh this was awful like you're the worst like you don't have that how do you get over those kinds of things because you're helping these athletes and they're hearing that on a daily basis maybe not from everyone but there are those haters i guess you could put it how do you teach them to deal with it? And how do you kind of get over those awful comments or hate? Yeah, man. I, so first of all, I, you know, I wasn't even like aware of how much of that shit's going on until I, you know, I had a tennis player who had to deal with that. You know, he, there, there were guys like telling me like, I'm going to kill you and all that. Cause they were angry fans and like, Holy shit. You know, we didn't have that in swimming. Um, and, but you know, yeah, first of all, it's terrible that it's happening. But then the second thing is, and you learn that when you're an entrepreneur, when you put yourself out there, look, like also you, when you're doing a podcast, it could happen, right? As somebody had a, has a really shitty comment about it, that we're like doing a shit talk here and that this is garbage and so on. And you got to, in the beginning, what would happen to me in my business, if I was sending an email and I was sending it to say 500 people, and I got one response back and that was a negative one. It's like, yeah, I don't want like that, blah, blah, blah. I don't know, your, your weak sales pitch or whatever. I would let that influence me for like a week. I'm not kidding. It would like bring me down and I would worry and I would question everything that I'm doing because of one freaking idiot that was just an asshole. You know, but you learn to deal with that. And, and by the way, my focus was on one email disregarding the 30 emails that came back and was like, this is awesome. Let me get on a call. Let's work. Like, you know, at one fucking email. But so, and what I'm like, what you have to learn is you have to learn to deal with that and say, okay, if that happens again, cause guess what? It's going to happen again. The bigger you are, the more like, you know, the bigger of an influence, the bigger your dream, the more people will see it. And naturally just statistic, there will be people that just hate on you. So, but you just, okay. Even if it gets to you, 
10 seconds and then you let it go. You literally, you let it go. You don't give that person that email, that comment, any energy. You just focus on what you want. And that, you, you, like in theory, everybody knows that, but you have to experience it. You have to learn to do that. And I think, you know, if, if that mobbing, those shitty comments and, and, and rejection, if that happens, it's every time an opportunity for the athlete to learn, learn that. And that will make you like a resilient motherfucker, you know? I always think about that aspect of someone sending you a hateful comment or something like that. Read it. See what it is. Because it could be constructive. Most of the time it's not. But, yeah, if it's just hateful and it's not going to help you, I know it's easier said than done, but throw it away. If you have to print it out, literally throw it away in a trash can. I don't know. Whatever gets you by it, but it might have some constructive criticism in there. So it might be like, hey, can I adjust? Is this what more people think? Maybe reach out. Sometimes it's not. Most of the time it'll just be, you're the worst. I hate listening to you. Your voice is awful. I don't know. I haven't heard those things, but I don't know. Someone might be thinking it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some might, but you know. But Michael, I wanted, I want to give a, a little bit of a different perspective here on like constructive criticism. Okay, if it's coming, it really depends. If you ask me, it will really depend on who is giving you that constructive criticism. So if you're doing a podcast and Lewis House, right, like the guy School for, of Greatness, if he comes and gives you criticism then I would definitely listen to that because he knows what he's doing in the podcast area. But if there's just another friend of yours who knows nothing about podcasting is giving you his opinion, you know, everybody has an opinion and you know, every, most people are really always giving it out and for free. And that's the value of it because they don't know anything. They don't know anything. So it's like, I wouldn't even, I would oftentimes not even listen to, you know, if my mother is giving me advice on how to run my business, She's been, you know, she's been a very, a huge high performer, but as a parent, not as not running a business, just never run a business. So she, what she's saying, I was like, okay, thank you, mom. But, you know, it's going in and out because there's no value in it. So, and, and because otherwise you just get like torn and you go left, oh, that he said that and she that, and then you're like, ding, ding, and you don't know what, where you're going to go, right? Yeah, you're definitely right. Take a lot of things with a grain of salt. Yeah, exactly. You have to and, and stay focused stay true to like where you want to go, like trust your intuition and, you know, lean in and, and, and keep going. Right. We talked about banking a little bit in there, not too in depth, but I want to transition after banking. You started a business, which congratulations, kudos to you. That's not easy. It's that initial conversation of I'm going to start this. When do I start it? <laughs> do I wait a year or what do I do? Do I start it today? I know a lot of your videos end with don't wait, just start now or to that effect, something to that effect. So you focus on sports because you have this passion. You love sports, you love helping athletes, and you start the tribe of athletes. Can you just tell us exactly what that is and how did that come about? Yeah, man. So what happened was that when I got out of banking, I, you know, there was a, that's also an interesting story it was an older guy, like 60 or so. And he, what happened was he invited me to a tea. Okay. This guy kind of a good story because I mean, I've never been, I don't know about you, but I've never been invited to a tea. And so have you? 
Nope. No, <laughs> so, I, I don't think I've ever had tea. It's <laughs> <laughs> so American. All right, anyhow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we went to have a freaking tea in a nice hotel. And I remember like what he said. He's like, David, everything that you're thinking is so subjective and it's not the truth. And I sat there, I was like, everything I'm thinking is so subjective and it's not the truth. And it was like really hard to argue because I started to realize how, yeah, this is all. I always thought like I'm right and I was very vocal about it and opinionated. And I said, I was like, fuck, I think he's right. And I started reading books about it. I got coaching from him and like all these. And I started to wake up to the fact that so much was programmed into me. Like, you know, I, I took Latin in school because my mom told me that's good. I played the cello because my grandfather played cello. I liked it, but still he was kind of getting my, I was a swimmer because my dad swam. You know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I started to like wake up to that. Not that I had any regrets, but at the moment I was like, fuck, this is cool. Now I see what's going on. More of it, right? Not everything, but more of it. And I liked this so much that I yeah, got out of banking. And then we started coaching executives first because that was kind of the lowest hanging fruit because I had a lot of ties into banking. But then, as you said, like we go in, I went back to athletes because once your heart beats for sport, like that enthusiasm and the passion doesn't go away. And that was, you know, around like, yeah, after COVID came, I was like, why do I not just work with athletes? Because, I mean, that's really what I really want to do. And you know how we talked about what do you really want? And I felt like first it was just like, how can I make money not being in banking, just coaching? But then I was like, what do I really want to do? And I was like, I want to work with professional athletes. And so then I transitioned over and I just had to find a name. So I, you know, very simple tribe of athletes. And, but it's the, we, I call it the world's number one community for confident professional athletes. Because for me, there's two things. If you look at, and that's not my knowledge. That's why I'm very confident about the knowledge. It's not my knowledge. It's the knowledge of people that have come before us. And they've studied, you know, their entire lives. They've given their entire lives to study the most successful athletes and business people and parents and artists. And these people come from different places, different cultures. They have different views on how the world works. But they have like two things in common. And the number one is that they have a big dream. And number two is that they believe they can have the dream before it has happened. Okay. And at a tribe of athletes, we're a group of professional athletes and coaches now um, where, and these athletes know that everything starts in the mind. They first have to see it in mind. We can only be as strong as we believe we can be. We can only run as fast as we can believe we can run. And so it's mindset before mechanics. And that's what we do. We just work on the mental stuff. I don't give any tips on nutrition or like on how to catch a ball, nothing. It's just the mental side. But what I found is that, Usually when you start to become powerful and you start to utilize the mindset and the power of your mind, it's like the things fall in place because we work with the law of attraction and visualization and uh, yeah, things just fall in place and that's really, really beautiful. The law of attraction. I've heard this before. I know a little bit about it, but can you just, what is it exactly and why is this so important to adapt and try to incorporate into everyday life? Because... When I think about it, yeah, you can help professional athletes, but how can you help everyone else listening? Can the law of attraction help them as well, or is that just athletes? Yeah, man, it's for everybody. And I, you know, I tell you why. It is because the law of attraction, as the name says, it's a law. And if we assume 
that in life it's all about learning and we you and me we know and hopefully every all of the listeners know that we never want to stop learning right would you agree yeah so when we like let's take an example when we come to the planet as a baby we don't know the difference between men and women so we have to learn about that at some point we're old enough we're like look okay yeah i'm a man uh she's a girl and then now we can from 50 yards away it's easy and natural for us to say okay that's a man that's a woman right now with gravity for example if you imagine a cliff that's like 100 meters down we know when we're standing here okay we cannot take another step because if we do we're going to fall and we're going to die but if a baby is crawling there that baby will continue to crawl and it will fall and it will die because it hasn't developed the level of awareness to know about gravity yet. And now the law of attraction, it's just like most, a lot of adults haven't, and that was me, I learned about it for the first time like three years ago, is like we haven't developed the level of awareness to understand the law of attraction because gravity, for example, we can experience that with our five senses because it hurts when we fall on our ass. Yeah. And there's other things that we, we can see, we can hear, but the law of attraction, there's all kinds of energy and vibration around us that we cannot decode with our five senses and we're going into the spiritual world. And if we're not learning about that, because school definitely doesn't teach us about that, it's like we don't have the level of awareness of how it works. But that's what I'm saying. This knowledge is power because if you learn about it, if you study how the laws work and there are like there are good teachers that know how these laws work it's then good to be in harmony with these laws because they're going to be here no matter if you believe in them or not yeah right and what the law of attraction is is that you act and feel and walk and talk and compete like you already have that result so basically if you want to go somewhere you bring that into the present and you already, you, you, like most people, like, look, most people think, and that's what it looks like on TV and social media, is like they think they have to have something first, that they can go and do something, and then become somebody. But that's wrong. The way it really works is that we close our eyes, we decide who we want to be, then we go out and we do, and as an end result, with a bit of time, we will have this is the law of attraction. And so the beautiful thing about that is exactly this. You need nothing but closing your eyes and imagining who you want to be, what you want. And then you go and act like that. And the beautiful thing is that means you can be confident before you've had the results. Because I know it looks like that. It's like when you look at Cristiano Ronaldo, they, they say, oh, it's easy for him because he's so confident. But that's the beautiful thing in sport. Like we all start as a baby. We were all the same and, you know, but he had to believe and he had the dream and he believed he could be the best football player. And then he, you know, he brought that into reality with a bit of time. And that's the law of attraction. You bring it into the present and you start to feel like that and act like that. You kind of manifest what you want. You say, I'm going to start this business. Before you start it, you have to say, where do I want it to go? I want it to be the next the next apple i want it to be whatever it is i have no idea but you talk about helping these athletes and today i hear a lot of things about coaches that are helping the mental side so you're not the only one i'm sure you already know that yeah <laughs> what sets you apart from those other coaches 
because you all, not saying you all say the same thing, but you can all say the same thing, but why would I pick you over the other however many coaches there are if I was picking in a room? What sets you apart? Yeah, you know, Michael, I, I don't know. I just hope that you'll pick me. <laughs> but, you know, like what I've, what I've learned here, and this is, this is a good, good learning. And I was, again, this is not, I, I didn't come up with that myself, right? It's like um, people more experienced. And by the way, one of my coaches is Bob Proctor. He's from The Secret. He's kind of well-known. And he, he is saying that you want to hang out with people that know more than you, but they know they're no better than you. Right. So they just have a higher level of awareness, but they they are exactly equal. So I have given up to think competitively. I have given up on that thought because when I think about it, there is millions of professional athletes out there and they all need what I have. They all kind of need what we mindset coaches do. And for me, I don't I don't compare anymore because when you're in a competitive state, you're not creative. And so I'm, I'm going away from that. And when I'm not worried, because what comparing means, that means you're placing your attention on the outside. And I don't do that anymore. And that is so liberating. And it literally is one step closer to being the best version of yourself because that energy that you don't waste on looking at what's going on for them, it's like you just focus on what you want to do and what you want to create. So I, I couldn't even, I think, but in the end of the day, everybody's unique and, and it's just about attracting. So for me, it's about putting myself out there and attracting the right kind of athletes to work with me. And now I'm hiring in my business and I'm attracting, trying to attract is more difficult than I thought because it's the first time I'm hiring. So it's like a plane in the ass, but like I'm trying to attract the right talent to work with me, right? The right kind of partners. So that's, that's how I look at it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I never thought about it that way because as athletes, you always are competing. So when I think about it, it's I got to be better than everyone else. This was me in high school and when I was still in that mindset of I need to be the best goalie. I can't let this person be better than me. Now it's more how do I make myself the best I can be and whatever happens will happen because I'm putting myself out there. You're putting yourself out there. You're putting positive vibes out there. People with the same energy and mentality will attract. <laughs> yeah. So see, you know the law of attraction. It's, it's I, I guess. <laughs> I guess I knew it without actually knowing the exact definition. Yeah. And see, now here, here's the thing. Here's, the, here's a very important thing, though, is that when you think about your life, everything that you have mastered you learned through repetition. So with the mind and this law of attraction, it's exactly the same thing. If we just hear about it, if we watch the movie, The Secret, and we're like, okay, sounds interesting. Um, I, now I know it. It's not true because we haven't internalized it yet. We have to use repetition. And that's the like every athlete that works with me one-on-one has to commit to put 10 to 15 minutes aside every day to do like a daily routine. That daily routine doesn't have to be the same every day, but they have to use repetition to impress that those images and what they really want upon their subconscious mind because that's the only way how we internalize it. And then when we master that, that's how we'll change. Just knowing it, reading, reading a book, listening to a podcast or watching a YouTube video isn't going to cut it. 
it's the same thing you're going to the gym once a month or you watch videos on Schwarzenegger doing something you're not getting muscle from that right yeah same thing you can get motivated from those videos but you have to then act on it motivation is only as good as the action that comes with it that's right that's exactly right and that, that is so it's like you know for when we look at the body and we're saying okay if somebody wants to gain muscle Everybody knows if I don't go to the gym, I'm not going to put on muscle, right? I can watch all the motivation videos and nothing is happening. But for some reason in our culture, and, and that was me also, I'm just saying, like we, we tend to think with the mind is different. We think, oh, I understand now. I understand, you know, what mindset I have to think positive and all that. I understand it, but it doesn't work like that. It's the same. You have to use repetition and you have to make it a habit. You really have. That's like the, the most important thing, yeah. The conversation has been riveting. I'm astonished by the ideals that we share, even though we're on different wavelengths, I guess you could say. We're not on the exact same path, but we have the same idea. We have these similar concepts that we believe in. It's just kind of cool to see that we're similar, but also very different. It's cool to see that from this conversation. But... I want to ask one last question before we move on to the themed questions. Looking back over your career from when it started to now, was there a moment, event, or piece of advice that shifted your entire mindset or perspective? Like a real, real huge aha moment, yeah, is what we're looking for. Yeah, it could be a piece of advice. It could just be an aha moment, uh, an event that happened. You've kind of told us a few, but is there one that's the biggest one or anything like that yeah there there is one there is one um actually i and i love speaking about that one and i was not so long ago maybe like nine months ago it was what happened was i was in in a coaching so i was being coached and we were looking at what we call the limiting beliefs and they develop in the first five years when we're on the planet kind of like you know generally speaking it's like when we come to the planet we don't know that we're separate from our mom. We don't know we're separate from the dad and anything. And because we're having an individual experience here over the first five years or so, we develop that and we create some kind of separation. And that's when those beliefs, like I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I need to be perfect when they kind of come in. And we all have them to some extent, like a little bit more of this. And, and But what happens is depending on how much and which ones do you have, and that are predominant in your life or my life is like you have certain behavioral patterns that play out in your life. And one of them, what I had is I'm not good enough. And that develops, generally speaking, again, is like when your father and, and there's nothing against my father, it's just there's no perfect parenting, right? So nothing. But when your father only acknowledges you for doing things well, like if you learn to walk and you get acknowledgement from the father, if you learn to ride a bike and you get, oh, you did that well, right? So you have like, you develop, I developed that belief. I'm not good enough. And then we looked at in that coaching, we looked at the patterns, you know, what you do in life when you have that limiting belief. And it's not like I'm walking around with, I, I'm not good enough. You know, it's like, it's unconscious. And, but then you're, you're seeing there that you always, those people that have it, they're chasing course after course. Okay, that was me, check. They always look for the next thing because everything that they're doing is not good enough. They're good, ambitious, but not good enough. Then they also 
um, they're always in the future with their mind. And I still have that. It's like, because I can forget about the past because I say, fuck it. I don't care. I can't change it. But I'm also not so present because I'm not good enough and I'm looking into the future. What can I do? How can I do more, more, more? You know, 12 hours of working is not enough. I can do more, right? And when I saw that, I was like, fuck, this is good. This is really good because now I understand where this is coming from. And then the trick is to literally take the wind out of the sail and just say, okay, I see the pattern. I see the belief that is playing out. And it's okay. I don't need to fix myself. We all kind of have it, one or the other. And you just say, you acknowledge it and say, okay, cool. That's what it is. And now instead of trying to fix myself and keep acting on that, I just focus on what I want to do, really want to do. Not what I keep thinking, but what I really want. And listen to the heart instead. And that was for me like, wow, that really feels good. That, that, that brought a lot of light in my, in my life. Yeah. Wow. I never thought about the origin of those statements in your head you think i don't know why this is happening i'm i'm not good enough but why <laughs> you've done all these great things i've done great things everyone listening has done great things why is that thought there i never thought about hey let's take it back a little bit see where it started and take the wind out take it out of that sail and just be in the present focus on you now and moving forward these are meant to make you think. I'm going to be honest. They're not easy. I'm not even sure how I would answer them, <laughs> but let's, uh, let's get into them. So the first one has to do with Loki. Loki is the trickster god. I don't know if you're into movies, the Avengers, things like that, but he's Norse mythology. And I want to make a play on mischief or trickery. Can you tell me about a time you felt tricked or deceived into doing or believing something? And what was the major takeaway? I mean, so this, this could be like really over my whole life until I was 30. But like, look, what I realized, and this wasn't, I think everybody is, and this is actually, this is a very good question. I think, I think everybody, every human being is kind of tricked into something when we come here because we don't realize until or until we realize how programmed we are and what i mean by that is again like we come to to the planet as a baby and our and neuroscientists know that now that our brain is in hypnotic in a hypnotic state so we are just we're becoming a product of the environment because that stuff just comes in so if you're born in japan you learn japanese and you love rice if you're born in, in America, you're speaking English and you love burgers. If you grew up in Italy, you speak Italian and you love pasta. But that's the truth. That's like very, very true, right? And then that we, we end up thinking this is who we are. But it's not. We are so much more. We have this spiritual essence. We can be anything that we want. And we were talking about identity earlier, right? It's like, it's just so for me, I was tricked into believing this is who I am until I realized that I can be anything that I want. And, and so, you know, one of my coaches, uh, my mentors, William Whitecloud, by the way, I, I, his book, Not Secrets of Natural Success, it's a very good book. And he speaks about that, that we're born into the wrong track of life and that we think, you know, uh, that, our, that we are our identity until somebody tells us. And that's also the hero's journey. We're like, uh, the hero's journey. We're born, we're like born a peasant 
until you meet like a wise man, somebody like a magician or somebody who's telling you who you really are, that you're a king. And then you go on that quest, yeah, hero's journey. So like, I guess that, you know, was a little bit of a, of a trick, but I think everybody's tricked into that. I think everyone's tricked in different ways. The way you're tricked and the way I'm tricked is very different, but in the long run, they could meet at some point. The way I'm tricked and you're tricked, it's... The thing is, though, nobody had a bad intention about that. It's just the nature of human, human life. Another aspect that just interests me a lot is the fact that everyone has weaknesses. But if I ask you your weakness, it doesn't have the same impact as asking about your Achilles heel. It just, it hits a little bit harder. So, throughout your career, what has been your Achilles heel? That one thing that could have been the demise of your career. That is, wow, throughout my career. I could tell you what it is for now. What was it? Yeah, you can do, you can do now. That works. You know, what I think what it is for now is that I am so excited about this topic, about like what I do and what I found basically. Um that with my family and because this these are the people that are closest to me and they have known david like this in a box right for 30 30 years and now david is breaking out of the box big time and he's changing rapidly and it takes a bit of time for them to see me that way and i'm so like kind of impatient about it it's like how can you not see that like you know you got to apply these techniques and it's changed my life will change yours and i'm so excited about it and there, and, and oftentimes we get like almost in, in arguments or in a fight. And, and that is very difficult for me. And I haven't developed really the, the patience yet or the, the letting go. So I'm working on that, but it's just so, it, because it's so important for me and I, I just, I want the best for them. And I feel like, so I don't know, I'm not sure about it. Cause my girlfriend says, maybe you don't know that there would be better off with that. And it's a very good question, but I just feel that way. And I'm trying to, and I feel like this, this is giving me some trouble at the moment because everything else I'm like really happy with, not that. And I always say, like, always be grateful, never be satisfied, right? Like, and I think this is like in the human spirit is that the spirit wants to expand. The ego wants, and the identity wants you to stay where you are. And the spirit wants you to expand and wants you to grow, wants you to see things, see things. And, and so I'm, I'm, yeah, so this is like the, the Achilles heel that with my family and me having to develop the patience and the empathy to not just like steam, try to steamroll them with my enthusiasm and my passion for these discoveries. It's difficult. Patience is not something you can just say, I'm going to go buy it in the store. It's, you just have to figure it out. It's, you're, you're going to get it at some point. But you're never going to go, I'm completely patient with them now. It's going to be a little give and take. You're going to become more. You're going to become less. It's like a roller coaster a little bit. So this next one, you're going to battle against a mythical creature. It can be any mythical creature. Let's just say the Minotaur, because most people know who the Minotaur is. Half bull, half man. Could be Medusa. Could really be anything. But the Minotaur represents a major challenge in your life right now. What is that challenge and how are you going to overcome it? You know, I, I'll go back to the hero's journey on that one because you know how they say when, when we think of a dragon, 
when they had to slay the dragon. So you are born a peasant. You don't know who that you're, well, you're born a king, but you're growing up thinking you're a peasant because you're not aware of your powers. And then there is a wise man coming and is telling you who you really are. You're like, oh shit, I'm a king. That's awesome. And you're going on a quest. But before you arrive, like before you know, you have to go on a quest and you have to slay a dragon or the minotaur. So what I would, and you know what in the mythology, oftentimes what they say is if you slay the dragon, if you slay the head off, cut the head off, there's two heads coming back. That's a hydra. If you tear off, if you cut off one, two grow back. Exactly. So what I would say here is that you don't want to kill it because when you, when you go, when you try to kill it, it, it comes back even stronger. And so it's about taming it. It's about understanding it. So what I would say is I would literally try to tame that thing because it's, when you think about if, if, if looking at my life, I grow up, I'm born a king, but I grow up as thinking I'm a peasant because I have all these limiting beliefs. I think who I am and limitations. A wise man comes and he's telling me about, you know, where those limiting beliefs come from and who I really am. And I go on the quest. So now I don't need to kill those limiting beliefs because they can't be killed. Because if you try to kill them, they'll come back stronger because you can't kill them because it's in human nature to have this egoic vehicle. It's just, it, it, it just is, you can't kill it. So you have to tame it. And that means in, in our world, or for me, that would mean to understand it. What, and the better, the more you understand, the more, can you say that the more tame, it is. So if there's a minotaur, I would try to hang out with it and try to understand, you know, what he or she or it wants and, and, and work around that instead of killing it. I never thought about taming a minotaur or a hydra. Could you imagine having that in your back corner? You're going to battle against someone and you just have a minotaur like... <laughs> Fucking ride it, man. The dragon, you become the, 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 what is it? Game of Thrones, like a dragon queen or whatever. So yeah, you know, ride the dragon. Uh, it's a good thing I'm uh, close with you at this point because I'm not fighting you if we get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> so this last one of the theme questions is about your future. So if Thoth, the Egyptian god of writing, was creating your next chapter, what would it be about? All right, that's nice that you asked. Let me read to you what I wrote down in my exercise like three days ago, okay? I am so happy and grateful now that we're a thousand coaches strong in the tribe of athletes and that we serve and work with the world's best football players, fighters, and tennis players. Every one of my coaches is a former pro athlete who's worked with me personally and had so much success with the mental training that this is all he or she wanted to do after her career. We're getting millions of views on our YouTube channel, and it's every athlete's dream to be coached by us. I'm traveling around the world to Champions League games and Grand Slam tournaments and UFC fight nights as a fan, mentor, and friend of the world's most inspiring athletes. You know that? So I, my dream wasn't always that big, by the way. You know, it started smaller too, but that's what happens. You, you, write, a, you write out a dream, you hang out with the dream, and that might be a small dream because you're not used to having a big dream. And then you reach it and you're like, okay, that worked, right? So now let me try a bit more. <laughs> and then, and so this is what I'm working on at the moment. I've never had a, a written out answer for that one. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's good. Try it. Yeah. 
Try it, Michael. And you know, so I, I guess what really, yeah, my dream is that we have over the years that we have athletes work with me or my, our company and being so in love with what we do and the power of the mind and all that, that they will give that back to the next generation. So it's like something for an athlete, you know how it is, you're a professional athlete, you love sports. It's like, it makes sense to stay in that field. It makes sense to stay involved, be a mentor. So that, that would be my dream that they come, they get the coaching, they finish with their career because they call it, you know, it was good. And now they're passing on that knowledge. So that would be like, they pay it forward. You taught them, they teach next. And then the next thing you know, it's 15 generations down the line and your ideals and concepts are still alive and, and breathing. So I want to wrap up with two final thought questions. So thinking back to the beginning of your quest, what is the one thing you would warn yourself about before embarking? So what I would think it's, it is, oh, it is a good question. I appreciate the question because it just got me thinking big time. When I, so I will warn myself that to pay attention to when a time comes, when I seem to distract myself from what really is going on. So, because I had that during the banking time that, you know, I started to party a lot and long nights and everything that was evolved around that. And it was, it's not that I, you know, hated it, not at all. I also don't regret it, but it, it was a sign that I wasn't fulfilled and that there was something going on that underneath. And I would warn myself to pay attention to when I get sidetracked and kind of, you know, I was spending so many nights in the club until the morning, you know, God knows what time. And I was so tired. I mean, I overslept my brother's birthday once, I, you know, it's terrible. Yeah. Terrible. And you can imagine my mom, she's a family woman, you know, like, I, I mean, it was just terrible. And I, that's what I would say. That's what I warned myself to, to pay attention to when things go off track. And, ah, but great question, Michael. I don't know how I would answer that one. So don't even ask me. <laughs> and uh, the last one, you've kind of mentioned a lot of different things that people can do, but I want to give you a point blank question of, in terms of professional development, what is something you are doing today that you feel everyone should be doing? Great question. I would take five or 10 minutes every day and I would either close my eyes and literally visualize what I really want. And then I would write it down. So I visualize for a minute and I write it down for five, literally like that exercise. And what you'll find is that picture will become more and more vivid. It will become more and more colorful. It will become more clear. And if you get nothing in the beginning, almost nothing, just make it up. We, you know, start using the imagination and it will become clearer. And so that's what I would do. I would absolutely, and as I said, every athlete has to do that that wants to work with me because that's how I can literally guarantee the success. If you don't do that, and I've seen it many, many times, not just with me, but also my, my mentors who are very experienced and have worked with thousands of people. They're always saying the same thing. If somebody comes off track, the first thing they ask is like, what do you do every day? What's your daily routine that you tune into where you want to go? And they, all, they always find that if somebody is not having the results that he or she wants, it's because they're not visualizing, not making, we call it making the choices and tuning into what you really want. So you can do it by writing, 
You can do it by meditating. You can do it by talking to yourself in the mirror. You can do it by telling friends. It doesn't matter, but you have to do it. I think I now know what I'm going to start doing. <laughs> I don't write... I don't write things down very often. I mean, I write down my notes and stuff for this, but I don't write what is my next step or what's my next journey? What's it going to look like? I don't write that stuff down. So that's something I'm going to (laughs) do. First, let me make this statement. I'm the challenge that I would give is that you try it for 30 days. You take 10 minutes a day for 30 days straight, including weekends. And the, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is you lose 30 times 10 minutes in your life. And then you can say, okay, David Karasek, he's full of shit. And I will never speak to him again. That's the worst that can happen. The best that can happen is you change your life. Okay. You start changing your life. So, and this one is with my girlfriend. It's almost a bit creepy, but I've, I've seen that also many, many times. She has been doing our work for about four months because she has no choice. She, I'm always speaking about it, right? And in her, she wants to empower women and um, she's a pro MMA fighter and she's from Albania and she knows a lot of women that are getting beat and they have no confidence, no self-esteem to do anything about it. Right. So she wants to empower them, not just through the physical training, but also mental. And she was visualizing, she started visualizing, seeing, being on Swiss TV, on national TV and like giving interviews and stuff. And then two weeks later, without any contact of her, like, reaching out or anything the swiss tv called her and asked her if she would come on swiss tv in the evening prime time 10 o'clock and for a talk show you know and i've i've seen these things happen again and again and again and that's what happens with the law of attraction you put out the thought and the feeling of what you want to do nobody can see it but that doesn't mean that it's not there and it goes out and the universe starts to arrange itself and all of a sudden, there will be people in your life. There will be opportunities in your life. There's things happening for you that you have no idea. And there's a million ways on how that can happen. Like literally, like you and I connected and we're, I mean, we have no freaking clue what's going to happen. But if you believe it, you know, and that's what you find. So there's, there's some extra motivation to start, like, start doing that. I have a related story. When I was doing the the podcast i hit a point where i was like i want to grow it but like i'm not really sure how and blah 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 and i look at my phone and you show up in a message was like wait what how did are you like in my house like what's happening wow that's (laughs) it's just it's like within like a few days of that conversation with a friend it was like what is what's happening is this week like a good week because someone else i talked to they said they would do it and i was just like is this week special like do i need to circle this week every year (laughs) but it's crazy that we have that yeah man and you know what you were saying earlier you were saying we're not on the same wavelength and i didn't want to interrupt you but i think we're exactly on the same wavelength otherwise that wouldn't have like matched as you just say i think i misspoke when i was saying that i was just saying we're not like the same i was just saying we're not the same but the same wavelength came out. But yeah, I right when I said it, I was like, ah, not exactly <laughs> what I meant, but like, we're going to run with it. Exactly. But this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being here, talking with me, answering the questions. Hopefully they weren't too difficult, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm really excited to get this out there and let everyone hear about your career and all the different aspects you talked about. So thank you. Thank you, Michael. You're a wonderful host. Thanks for having me. I had a great time chatting to you. Wow. I never realized how major the law of attraction was in everyday life. 
and the Olympics? Let me know if you could handle that kind of pressure. But hey, rate and review this podcast and follow at CareerQuestPodcast on Instagram and LinkedIn. I'd greatly appreciate it and make sure to subscribe for our next episode.